All right, welcome to Look at My Records. As you all know, I'm a huge XTC fan, so I'm really, really thrilled to have Mark Fisher here on the program today. Mark, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very delighted to be with you. It's great. Thank you very much. I'm good. Oh, of course. And you're a longtime XTC fanatic. You've written two books. One's about to come out. Uh, two years ago, you released the XTC Bumper Book of Fun. And that was primarily an anthology of the limelight uh, zine, which you were creator of, right? That's right, yeah. It goes way back in history, which is partly why I think that book is quite interesting, even if you don't know anything about XTC. Um, it's just the, the combination of sort of the old and the new, because quite, a, I think, quite a curious story. When I was still at school, as you know, still sort of 16, 17, me and my friend decided that we'd quite like the idea of making a fanzine. And we thought, well, who should we make a fanzine about? And, and we were uh, getting into XTC at the time. This is sort of... Uh, sometime after 1979 after after drums and wires came out so i guess 1980 something like that and uh we'd become big fans and i was um uh, and, we, and we met this long story short we set up this fanzine called, called limelight which lasted for 10 years from 1982 to 1992 and then um a couple of years ago i for again for us i can go into detail but for a sort of circuitous reasons i thought well, wouldn't it be fantastic to create an anthology of all of these old fanzines? Because now when you look back at them, they're all sort of made out of, you know, letter set and multiple typefaces and very handmade and hand-knitted. And they captured quite a lot, I think, of the mood of the time as well as, you know, the specific content about, um, you know, interviews with the band and, and, and comments on the records and, you know, just that sense of what the fans were talking about and also what XTCs themselves were talking about at the time. So I put these together in an anthology uh, uh, which take about 200 pages and then did another, I don't know, 50 pages or something uh, of new material. So there was new interviews with, with all of the band and uh, some other articles that different people made. And, and I thought, yeah, quite a you know, fascinating combination of, 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 of the new and sort of well-designed and beautifully presented and all the rest of it alongside uh, this older stuff. But then one of the articles in that, uh, that, that, that book, uh, I, I discovered that a number of British stand-up comedians who are, who are very well known in Britain, not so well known um, in other countries, but um, are, are all massive fans of XTC. And that's, I thought, oh, well, that's quite an interesting thing. So I uh, got them to, each of them to suggest, a, uh, choose a song that they would like to talk about and then staged a conversation between all of them as they talked about each other's choices and, 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 and so on. And I thought that was a really fascinating article. And I thought, well, if, if, if comedians can be this interesting, how much more interesting would it be or might it be if musicians uh, were, were in, inclined and interested to talk about XTC, and for people who don't know about XTC, they they are uh, they're a sort of all or nothing band and very much a sort of musicians' musicians. So if you talk to musicians, you often don't have to scratch very far to discover that they have a, a real passion for the band. So I, for, for this new book, which is called um, the, what is it called? <laughs> it's, um, it's, what do you call that noise? An XTC discovery book, book, right? <laughs> That's exactly what it's called, and I thought, well, so, 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 so I got the sort of big, chunky bit in the in the middle of this book is musicians choosing a song, but then also suggesting a song to to other people to 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 talk about. And indeed, my I believe I'll see what what people think when they when they see the book. But I believe they uh, my instinct was right, and it's fascinating to hear one band. Or one musician talking about another musician because you just hear uh, their passion and their their insight that uh, to me uh, at its best can be revelatory absolutely i totally agree and take me back to being a teen in the 1980s what initially drew you into xtc do you remember the first time you heard their music and what was your reaction what was kind of the mood uh, surrounding the band at the time because it seems like they've definitely gone through a lot of different phases with their career 
Yeah, strangely, because you said what what was the first thing I heard. In some ways, the better way to answer that question is what was the first thing I read. <laughs> uh, my 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 father worked in. He was a librarian, and he and and in the library that he worked in, there was a music library. So you could go and you could you could hire, rent, uh, uh, or borrow uh, LPs. And because he was working there, he and one of his fellow librarians, every week, they would, between them, they would get the music papers that were around at the time. So every Friday, my dad would come home with, with New Musical Express, <laughs> and presumably this other librarian was bringing back sounds or Melody Maker or whatever was around at the time. And so me as a teenager, I was reading all of this stuff because I was fascinated by music, but not really too aware of where I would actually hear it. <laughs> because, you know, it was, it was pre-internet times yeah, the, the, you, for interesting music you had to be I think you know staying up quite late uh, to, to hear the, the you know the John Peel show which was late at night on, on, on Radio 1 BBC Radio 1 uh, and so I was re I was a bit too young for that but I was kind of I knew and I sensed that there was interesting music out there and I, and, and, and I guess I must have been reading all sorts of stuff but I must have just noticed that this band called XCC were being written about in in singles reviews and album reviews and and live gigs in particular and I thought oh they sound like the sort of band that I, that, that I might be interested in and I guess uh, I, I, I was looking for a lot, a lot of my friends at school were sort of into uh, heavy metal and prog rock and, and, and that didn't really connect with me but at the same time I was not not totally into the, the punk thing either and, 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 and XTC seemed to fill a, a sort of middle ground where the, the sort of experimentation that you might associate with the Beatles and also the melodic sense of the Beatles but also that sort of rough uh, rough and ready new new wavy sort of feel so so to, to, to precisely answer your question I think the very first single single I heard was uh, Life Begins at the Hop not really knowing who this band was and then then properly uh, making plans for Nigel, it would have been because that was that was a, the, the major single in, in 1979, and that prompted me just to take a risk and say, "Oh, for Christmas, I would like a copy of Drums and Wires," which was their third album. So that was the one that I was uh, I was listening to then, and was obviously taken by it, and 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 then sort of quickly went to to, to buy up the back catalogue, which was the the first two albums, which actually sound quite different because they had um, Barry Andrews. Barry Andrews, yeah, people. Uh, that's right, yeah. Uh, and, and and so that was an earlier Aurora, uh, actually, you know, equally creative sort, sort of thing. And then, again, to answer your story, then living through a sort of fascinating time as they went from album to album and 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 really most people seem to agree that there was a sort of pr progression from one they got more sophisticated they they explored new sounds they turned up as uh, doppelgangers and you know in, in with alter egos and it was a, the great thing for, for a fanzine writer as or any journalist really is that they were a really um fruitful band to write about they always had something interesting to say uh, as well as the interesting music they were making and I'm, I'm sure I mean in many ways it was by chance that I ended up writing about them but I'm sure there was lots of uh, very very good bands that you could have focused on who, who might have been less entertaining or less you know diverse less 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 varied but XTC also always provided something interesting to, 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 to talk about and to write about and of course then the fans on top of that would also have lots of interesting things to say because they do seem to attract quite an interesting and uh, group of fans who, who, who are interested in hearing another type of uh, of music who, who want to who have a sort of um, maybe a pop sensibility but are, are not uh, immediately ready to buy into the mainstream definitely and tell me so you did the fanzine limelight for 10 years it kind of wound down in 1992 XCC did put out two records after that in the late 90s but the band was also kind of starting to wind down a little bit did you stay involved or in touch with the band in the basically two blessed decades uh, before you released uh, Bumper Car Books Book of Fun? Did you stay involved with the band as far as following what they were doing? Or did um, you kind of just dive back in in like 2015, 2016? It was, it, I, I guess I kept my hand in, but without being the, the specialist. So, so I, I guess took a bit of a back seat. But the 
fantastic thing. I'm, I'll forget the dates, but sometime in the 1990s, uh, John Ralph set up what was then an email mailing list called Jawkills. There's now a, a Facebook page called Jawkills and a website called Jawkills. But um, uh, and he he would uh, uh, it was just a sort of digest, and so every so often you would get this digest, and it would be all the emails that people had sent in uh, from fans. So I was I used to take part in discussions on that, uh, and and so I, I I was just I guess I was just like any other fan <laughs> uh, 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 for, for those years and uh, so yeah so I definitely uh, maintain my enthusiasm uh, but but obviously I had, I had no particular reason to to take it any further than that and and then and then and, and then the way the first book came around was was a very nice coincidence actually my daughter was working I, I live in Edinburgh now and uh, my daughter was working in the Stand Comedy Club uh, which is a very busy v venue during the Edinburgh Fringe which is a big festival here and sh uh, she overheard two, two of the comedians that, that uh, I was talking about before having this conversation about XTC <laughs> so she barged in and said oh my dad used to make the XTC fat scene <laughs> uh, and they were naturally fascinated by, by this and, and they said they They'd love to see them, and I, I realised that actually I didn't really have, I, I didn't have anything to give them anyway. I had, um, I, I had my own copies, but you know, I'd sold out of every issue. So I said, well, I can show them, but I, I can't um, give them anything. So she said, oh, well, maybe I could scan them. And I was thinking, well, if she was scanning them, you I could, I could, I, they could be seen by far more people than just two two stand-up comedians. And, and one thing led to another, and then it became a whole book. That's such a great story, and it's great to get that out there for other people to see, especially people like me and your daughter, I'm assuming. I'm 31 years old, so I was not around for, or I was too young to really appreciate the fanzine or really get into it. You know, I discovered XCC much later on. But tell me about the new book that's coming out in March, XTC. Um, what do you call that noise, an XTC discovery book? Tell us about how it's different from your first book, the XTC Bumper Book of Fun. And what did you set out to do with this book? What was the overall concept? Well, the, the fundamental difference, I suppose, is that uh, a huge percentage of the first book w was ready-made. You know, it was a question of, it, it was a big deal to scan everything, but, you know, there was a lot that was already done. So uh, there's a substantial section of it that is new as well, which is obviously what uh, where my focus went. But when you look at it, there's all of, all this old stuff that's in there. Uh, this one uh, is is entirely new. So so the, the and, and in some ways, if I think about it, it although it's presented as a, as a, as, as a, you know, professional, very beautiful-looking book. Uh, in some ways, it's it's like a sort of jumped-up fanzine because there's there's still that sense of this is the fans commentating and this is people who are enthusiastic about the band uh, responding to them alongside interviews. There's a massive interview with 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 Dave Gregory, uh, that who is the guitarist from XTC, who which I did in conjunction with my friend Hugh Nankabel, who is a, a musician. And I say in conjunction, Hugh was really leading it and asking all of the questions. But I th I like the idea of getting one musician to talk to another musicians because they could uh, hopefully uh, talk on the same level and, and, and go down in directions that uh, me as a, as, a, as a fan but not a, a musician wouldn't necessarily think of. So through the book there is a kind of th a theme of uh, musicians and musicianship, uh, hopefully without being too esoteric and too and too nerdy about it. But uh, the, uh, in, in addition to, to, the, to, the, to the, the big piece where musicians are talking about their favourite songs, I've got loads of drummers together, um, including Rick Buckler, who was the drummer in the Jam. The Jam, yeah, I loved that part. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, fantastic of him to, 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 to come out and meet me and, and and a group of other. I thought, well, let's get other drummers and we can all talk about. Um, in particular, we want to talk about Terry Chambers, who was XTC's first drummer, and you know, for as long as they they were a live band, Terry Terry was was there. And uh, again, fascinating I, to, to, to my ears. I'm, I'm not a drummer, but I thought it was just really interesting to to just hear how how, how they and actually a, a, a broader group of drummers from all over the world that I brought together through the power of the internet to to just you know what does what does a drummer hear when when they listen to 
one of these songs. And and as I say, I, do, I don't think. I mean, it could quite easily. Uh, I mean, it is specialist interest, obviously, but it could quite easily be alienating and and, and difficult and distant. But to my mind, it, it's just very interesting to hear what somebody who is who is specialised in playing the drums thinks about somebody else who, who who's a drummer as well. So so there's all of that kind of stuff. Um, I did a big, again, I don't know if it's indulgent or not, but I had the opportunity, fantastic opportunity, to go and spend four days in Swindon, which is XDC's hometown, where last October, Colin Moulding and Terry Chambers, who I just mentioned, two of the core members of XDC in the early days, reunited under the name of TC and I, and they played actually in total six gigs uh, for the first time in 30, 36 years or something, 32 years. And and uh, I, I went down to Swindon and, and saw the first four of those gigs, which is, uh, again, a, a, an indulgence, but a lovely feeling because it was just played in, they just played in the Swindon Art Centre, which is a small, you know, barely more than a hundred seater venue. Uh, as, as you can imagine, full of hardcore XTC fans not believing their eyes that XTC were playing live, having, or TC and I were playing live, but you know, XDC songs were being played live many for the first time uh, after so, 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 so many years. So I've done a big, uh, long uh, uh, article about the build-up to those gigs and, and what the gigs were like, and so on. So that—that's the sort of thing I suppose that might have existed maybe in smaller form in, in the old fanzine. Um, yes. Yeah, so just be, just picking up that idea. So 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 yes, the, the book is a, is a. Uh, a, a number of what you would call chapters or articles where you know one I really like there's I, I just I, through the magic of Twitter discovered a couple of, of very young fans and uh, and I didn't realize initially how young they were one in Australia is only 14 uh, a girl called uh, Mia and then uh, Kirsten who I think is if I'm remembering quietly, uh, correctly maybe 19 uh, in America uh, and just suggested to the two of them that they should write to each other to tell each other why they like this band and, and I gave the occasional prompt just to keep the conversation going but really it was their own old school pen pal sort of relationship uh, but they write beautifully the two of them and uh, from my point of view as I'm uh, what am I now 54 or something and uh, it was it, it was lovely to be able to see that people who are still in you know teenage years who you know were pretty much not even born when XTC split up can still discover this music um, and, and then there's a, in fact a third writer Imogen uh, Beb who's who's a, a budding musician herself and and she joined in a bit on that conversation as well so uh, just just being able to see different perspectives on the music was 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 the I suppose the, the the idea running through the book, I hope people can pick up on that. Oh, yeah. I loved the first part involving the two letters back and forth between the, yeah, the 14-year-old and the 19-year-old girl, and then the music student, Imogen. And then the, uh, I'm not sure, what's her name, Imogen? And then the, and then the interview with Cormac, who had never heard XTC before, right? Yeah, because Cormac's 10. <laughs> yeah. And so then he was given a copy of Skylarking, and it seems across all of those interviews, and I really liked it because I can relate to it because I was born in 1987, discovered XTC when I was college age, so they were long done. And what do you think makes XTC's music able to transcend generations like it clearly has? Yeah, I mean, I... I, I... It, it is an interesting question, isn't it? Because, and in some ways, I'm not the one to ask because, because it's true of all of us that we that you know we get excited at a certain point in our lives, and our, you know, typically the thing is that you, you're a teenager, you're sort of waking up to the outside world, and whatever you happen the good to happen to have the good fortune to come across at that time is the thing that you latch onto, and in many cases stays with you for the rest of your life. And I. I I think I, I like to think that I was just lucky with XTC that they weren't a passing fad and they continued to nourish me and even to this day still nourish me and and so it's very gratifying to find a, a younger generation who think the same because 
you know, really, if you do the maths, it's it's like me just sort of listening to, I don't know, Gracie Fields or, or you know, something from the First World War, which would just be a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been weird then. I mean, maybe it's equivalent now, actually, of me, or, of me being into Gershwin or something, which is, is, is maybe more explicable. But uh, it's nice to think that the... That, that there is a music that can can transcend its times, um, and we've had me and my friends have had some debate about why it should be the decks you see don't seem to have dated in the way that some bands, particularly bands in the eighties, uh, ha- have dated in some cases because of production techniques. And I think that it, it, there are some XDC albums that, um, for example, some people say the Big Express, which has lots of Lynn drums on it, um, that shows its age because because of that particular fascination with that particular, you know, electronic um, drum sound. Uh, but on the whole, I think there's something about the way that they approach music creatively. So that it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a reggae band that sound like a reggae band on every album that they release or a heavy metal band that always sounds like a heavy metal band. They sounded, sometimes they sounded folk, sometimes they sounded semi-classical, sometimes they sounded um, sort of raucous and, 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 and rock and rolly, but um, uh, the, 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 their sense of creativity and uh, exploration. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think a lot of their middle period stuff, stuff that's a little more more psychedelic is definitely like a huge influence on at least here in the states a lot of newer bands that are kind of going for that uh in that sound that's similar to the paisley underground in los angeles in the early 80s and stuff like that but i think um oranges and lemons definitely skylarking and of course the dukes records are definitely you can hear it in a lot of newer bands yeah. as well right now and for course, sure at, at that time xcc themselves opened themselves up or sort of admitted their own influences and did let they did let a big beetle big bit of beatles and beach boys and psychedelia into their music in a way that maybe they'd they'd not indulge themselves before that uh and you know, then the Juice of Stratosphere again. If people don't know, the Juice of Stratosphere were, were XCC's alter egos, and they imagined a, a, a band, a fictitious band, uh, from the 1960s, and did, I think, absolutely fantastic pastiches of that particular era of music. But then, having done that and returned to being XCC, uh, a lot of the influences and, and mannerisms stayed in the music as well. And so for the book, you were able to interview a lot of different musicians and people. Uh, What really stood out for you as far as the experience of talking to a musician for this book in particular? Um, there was a number of, I mean, it was a really lovely experience for me to have because it's how great just to talk to people about your favorite music and, <laughs> and listen to them and their level of enthusiasm was, was fantastic. Um, there was one that really struck me, which is uh, David Yazbek. And David Yazbek, if you're into musical theater, he's, he's a, and, you know, Broadway musical theater is a name that you'll have come across because he's, did, he's done adaptations of all sorts of things, including the, the Full Monty, the, the, the musical version of the Full Monty and Dirty Rotten Sky scoundrels and so on and he's been a he's an XCC fan of old and and in fact uh, collaborated with with Andy Andy Partridge at a certain point and he talks about burning with optimism's flames and there was just a very fantastic I thought I sort of uh, this it's a song that I've heard you know since it came out in what are we talking about 1980 I think um and uh it's he he just identifies a moment within that song where words and melody are inseparable and the particular line is is Andy Partridge is singing about a, a blanket and he describes this blanket as saying uh, as going reaching to uh, reaching to the ground and all around like a Navajo blanket like, like a Native American uh, blanket but if you know the tune the tune goes and David Yazbek just points out that that melody in itself, sung better than I can sing it, <laughs> is itself, <laughs> is itself uh, reaching to the ground and all around like an Navajo blanket. The, the melody is going in the same direction as the words. The words are going in the same direction as the melody. And I think it's something. It was it was a theme that was picked up by a number of uh, people uh, about the way that that I think it's true of it's definitely true of, of of Andy Partridge, and I think it's true of Colin Moulding as well, the two main songwriters in XTC, that that uh, th- th- there's a sort of 
visual stroke, uh, metaphorical stroke, musical combina combination and a melding and a way of thinking that that, that means the, the music the music looks and sounds and tastes like it like it like it feels uh, and and so, so so if if he's if he's singing about the waves there's a song called Jason and the Argonauts if he's singing about the waves then then the the melody line is is waving up and down uh, going up and down like the waves so it was those sort of uh, uh, insights that that people gave me that for songs that I've been listening to for decades literally decades suddenly thought of course that's what's going on why did I not notice that before and that's so interesting because in the documentary that came out last year there's a part where Andy is talking about how he visualizes songs when he writes them. You remember that part? Yeah. yeah. He was like, I play this part and I can see like running water or something. It seems like that kind of fits into uh, how he wrote the songs actually. So it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. And, and it's a, it's a, well, it's a gift. It really is a gift. And it's a, and it's a, and it's a, just a, it's it's uh, there's something about XUC that mean that they that they resist the obvious. They'd never do the obvious. They, they never their career trajectory is not obvious. But also on an, on a song by song or even note by note basis, you can never quite tell which is what the next chord is going to be or what the next note is going to be. So so they remain interesting and and not obvious in in the way that again you know you can be a great band but you can be sort of predictable uh, and uh, there's nothing predictable about XCC yeah absolutely not <laughs> definitely <laughs> and they, they always kept it interesting and fascinating there's nothing dull at all about anything they ever did and you did mention before the TCNI shows, really, I'm regretting not uh, making the trip out there to go uh, yeah all <laughs> I know they're they're over now. It's not it's not going to happen again, unfortunately. But um, yeah, all the reviews on the internet that I saw about the shows were really gushing about how amazing it was. They played a lot of uh, XTC songs as well that they incorporated into their set. And you wrote a thorough uh, review and recap of the TCNI gigs at the end of, I think it's either the last thing in the, the new the book thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. or the next last thing. Yes. Yeah, so it's the last thing. So tell me about the shows. You said you went to four of six of them. Uh, what did that mean? to you it must have been thrilling to see xtc perform live for the first time in uh, many decades because they had stopped touring in 1982 um yeah was, what did that what did that mean for you and and how did uh how much did you enjoy it well i think i slightly surprised myself because initially uh, actually one of the things just just before the gigs were announced the thing that the, me and the XCC community were getting excited about was there's, there's a cover band a fantastic cover band called Fossil Fossil Fools there was an XCC compilation album called Fossil Fuel and they call themselves Fossil Fools F-O-O-L-S and um, uh, they were playing a, a, a gig in in London and so the nearest thing to getting you know seeing XCC live was coming up and so we're all you know I, I booked a ticket to London and we're going to see that and then the announcement came that TC and I were playing and I realized you know how much more exciting this this was and in a way that surprised myself because I, I'm old enough and privileged enough to have seen XCC the first time around you know I, I saw XCC live twice and, and and of course a whole generation you can you can be quite old now because it was 1982 the, the, the last time that they played live you can be quite old now and never having seen them so of course if you, if you can if you can imagine that I was excited to see to see them now after all these years you can imagine how much more excited people who'd never seen them at all uh, would have been and I guess there was also the trepidation XCC were fantastic live and I didn't want to have that memory so lead or 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 or, 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 or um, damaged in any way and they really I mean they really went way 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 beyond what they needed to do they, they did this long and rich and surprising set that was 
uh, they made these songs their own. They didn't. They weren't slavish in in their imitation of the XTC records, but they they respected the XTC records where they were where they were good. And as I say, fascinating to see Terry Chambers in particular, who 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 not only left the band in 1982 but left the, the country, he lived in Australia for over 30 years before coming back to Swindon. Now, um, you know, and and pretty much said goodbye to drumming for many of those years. Uh, and he is such an impressive. Uh, musician uh, 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 and but but also he hadn't played on most of these records he played on the early stuff but um, XCC had a, had a fantastic and fascinating career afterwards so you know would Terry be up to playing these these songs that he never played before and fantastically he, he was and they got a great band around them um, a guy called Gary Manford and Steve Tilling and in fact Colin Moulding's own son uh, Lee Moulding was on stage so all of that was uh was was it was it was uh, all, so all the music was fantastic, but then there was all this lovely atmosphere, uh, both within Swindon Art Centre itself, where we'd come to this sort of church of TC and I ness, <laughs> uh, but also in in Swindon at large, because I was just I've been there for four days. I, I was uh, you know wandering around, and when you'd see somebody who who looked like they would match the demographic, you think kind of thinking, oh, I wonder if that's an XTC fan, and sure enough, <laughs> yeah. say, you know, because I've got a bit of a social media facebooky sort of profile so people would come and say oh are you mark fisher oh yeah who are you and you, you, would, you would <laughs> people so it was you know you'd have these lovely uh, encounters and conversations with people and then also people that i had arranged to see as well because different people came on on, on different days so there was a lovely homely atmosphere because of that and, and then also because uh, you know, uh, wives and girlfriends and so on of, of the band were, were were up front running running the merchandise stall and greeting people on the way in, and uh, and as I say, Swindon Art Centre is just a very small venue, so there was a really there was a in the best sense there was a sort of hand knitted homemade feel to it, but then with this music that was you know as as as, as good as you could have hoped for uh, played there. So yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds incredible. It's especially in such an intimate setting. It sounds really, really amazing. Yeah. But yeah. T tell me, so the book is coming out in March. You can order it through your website, which yeah. is xtclimelight.com. And again, it's called "What Do You Call That Noise?" An XTC Discovery Book. And while you're there at Mark's website, you can also order his first book, the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls girls both great reads and now i do want to play some tunes for everyone because this is a music podcast and we both love xtc so we were talking that we did want to do the the portion of the book where the musicians picked an inherited track a chosen track and a bequeathed track so i wanted to hear what you had for each of those three um well, I was wondering about as a chosen track. Uh, I I wonder about Pale and Precious because Pale and Precious I don't think was. I mean, one of the amazing things about doing that article was because in the end something like fifty songs got covered. I spoke to something like forty musicians, and uh, and but by towards the end of interviewing people, I was. Uh, slightly embarrassed because so many fantastic songs had already been chosen and you know I was trying to get each cho song only chosen once so it was quite a yeah <laughs> that's challenging to do and saying and particularly if somebody you know in many cases they were huge fans but sometimes somebody would say yeah I really love drums and wires but I haven't really heard anything else and so you know their, their, their choice was limit limited in some cases uh, and uh, but what kept on surprising me that even after I got through, you know, 30, 40 songs, uh, people kept on coming up with fantastic choices because there was still, you know, and there still are many songs that we didn't cover uh, that, that, that could be covered and would still be interesting to cover. Uh, one of which I've, uh, I'll just go for is, is, is called Pale and Precious. And we mentioned already the Dukes of Stratosphere, which is XTC's psychedelic alter ego. And each pretty much each of the songs created by um, this pretend band is, is, is modeled on uh, either one or a number of, 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 of classic 60s psychedelic, psychedelic songs. And Pale and Precious is uh, just the most 
you know, basically it's the best song that the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson never wrote. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, it stands on its own, and this is why the Dukes of Stratosphere is so fantastic. It stands on its own as a beautiful, beautiful pop song. But there's also the sort of wit and the, and the ridiculousness of of of, of, of a song that that um, is is taking, a, I guess, an affectionate nod uh, to all to all of those formative influences. So it is both it's both ridiculous and beautiful at the same time. And there's there's a moment in it where um, where it just shifts in such a beautiful, in such an accurate uh, pet sound sort of way that you know you just giggle every time you hear it. <laughs> Um, so that was my chosen track and so do I have to bequeath one to you yes yes um, <laughs> well, let me think um, should I go for how about um, uh, wrapped in grey I will go for uh, and in a similar way there's a there's a there's a I don't my musical knowledge is not sufficient enough to be able to tell you whether it's a key change or a, a particular chord but there's a moment in Wrapped in Grey which is which is a beautifully optimistic but also kind of quite um, intimate uh, quiet song about about just uh, the line is don't let the loveless one sell you a world wrapped in wrapped in grey. So the idea is is the the world is a fantastic, beautiful, amazing place. So don't listen to anybody who tells you it's not. Basically, uh, and the moment before the chorus is just this fantastic sort of rising, swelling uh, chord change that just takes your heart. Uh, totally with it to, to, to that chorus and it's um, um, I know it's certain, uh, the, certainly when Andy wrote it Andy Partridge wrote it, it, it he regarded it as one of his favourites uh, and you know it's, it is right up there in the in the XTC canon I think Absolutely Wrapped in Grey is featured a lot in the documentary and I feel like I didn't really delve into Non Such as much until recently, and it's such a really, really good album. I had listened to it, but to really examine and sit with the tracks, I only really did within the last few years, and especially because of that great Fascine cover of That Wave kind of also led me to revisit the record in uh, more thoroughly. But so those are great picks, and we're going to to play them right now so we have pale and precious the dukes of stratosphere and wrapped in gray off of Nonsuch, and we'll be right right back and then i'm going to do the same thing Steps that I climb up to her 
right, we're back. We just heard Mark's chosen track, Pale and Precious, by the Dukes of Stratosphere, XTC's Alter Eagle, Ego, excuse me. And the <laughs> Actually, bequ- an Alter Eagle is <laughs> a, such a thing that I can imagine actually having great fun with. <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be a blast for sure. And the Bequeath track, Wrapped in Gray, beautiful, beautiful song. And now I'm going to choose a track and give a track to you as well. I think my all-time favorite XTC song is uh, King for a Day, uh, Colin Moulding's song off of Oranges and Lemons. And there's just something about the song. Whenever I hear it, I feel good hearing that song. It's beautifully written pop song. I think Colin Moulding is a tremendous songwriter, and I think sometimes he gets overshadowed by Andy in the... Um, the career span of XTC, but he's written so many great songs. Their first real huge hit, uh, Making Plants for Nigel. Uh, Colin really stepped forward and showed that he's a songwriting force to be reckoned with. And even though they didn't, they stopped playing live in 1982, there is a great, great uh, live performance of King for a Day on YouTube on the David Letterman show here in the United States. So so there is kind of a clip of a live performance of the band playing this song in the late 80s. And then there's also, I believe King of a Day is included in this MTV Unplugged session that they also did in the late 80s around the time they released this record. Have you seen that before? Because I think they play Scarecrow People. They play a couple of different songs on that. Yeah, I think, yeah you're right there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, a sort of acoustic version of it. Yeah. And, and I, I'm just thinking as well, King for well to, to, to amplify what you're saying the one of the things that was great about the TCNI concerts was that you got the opportunity to hear, hear the TCNI sorry the Colin Moulding songbook you know the, and just to have a concentrated evening where you were just listening to Colin Moulding songs with, with, with one Andy Partridge song thrown in made you see the uh, the common themes and the the, 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 the variety as well within the work that he's done but um, King for a Day was one of the songs that were in that was in that and it was one of the ones where um, he they really sort of pushed it into a sl- into a new uh, area and gave it a, a, a sort of, a, to my mind, a, a funkier bass sound and and uh, and you know a, a fantastic live feel, which uh, which apart from those uh, acoustic gigs that they did as a sort of radio tour in the, in the United States has has never really been heard live before. So yeah, yeah, great to hear that. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And then my bequeath track is. Uh, Easter Theater off of Apple Venus Volume 1. Really, the two records that they put out in the late 90s, and I guess Wasp Star was 2000, uh, really going for it with the orchestral arrangements, especially most uh, prevalent on this song, especially. And this record in particular means a lot to me because uh, my late uncle was a huge XTC fan and my first exposure to the band was when this record came out. I was uh, 12 years old and he gave me a copy of uh, this on compact disc and he told me, he's like, this is like my favorite band. This is a band I'm really into I love them you may not get it right now but if not you will someday and I feel like uh, that was definitely the case I was young kind of naive into way simpler stuff but then as I've gotten older um, XTC has become a huge part of my life very important band to me and I feel like uh, my passion for the band and my love for the band my uncle kind of lives through that so a little cheesy there but that album means a lot to me and so does that song so it's a beautiful song too as well it's so beautiful and um, just as you've been talking I've just called up the lyrics in front of me because not only does it not only is the melody just gorgeous but the the, the words are 
you know they're just words that you don't hear in pop songs and um uh, is andy partridge exploring his his sort of pagan side really it's it, when he says easter he doesn't necessarily think of of, of of the christian calendar he's thinking about the the pagan calendar before that and sort of mixed in with 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 um some christian imagery there as uh, as well and the whole idea of 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 celebrating that that time but um I mean, this. I, I, I have to be careful here because I, I, I'm not one of those people who believes that it is good for, for pop songs to sound like poems, but uh, they do. <laughs> this one does. Gold sun rolls around, chocolate nipple brown, tumble from your arm, <laughs> like the ground your breasts swell, land awake from sleep, hairs will kick and leap, flowers climb erect, smiling from the moist kiss, kiss of her rainbow mouth. I mean, oh, nobody's... <laughs> That's not uh, She Loves You, yeah, 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 is it? <laughs> it's definitely not. It's a little crazier and way more interesting, I'd say, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But M- much as She Loves You, yeah, 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 is a fantastic single. <laughs> so we're going to play those two songs, my chosen track and my bequeath track, King for a Day and Easter Theater. And then we'll be back to wrap things up. We'll see you in a few minutes.
We just heard King for a Day and Easter Theater, two excellent XTC songs. Sadly, we're coming to the end of the program. Mark, I want to thank you for chatting with me today. It was a real pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you for asking such interesting questions. It's great to be able to talk to someone who's a fan. Oh, me too. And so what's next uh, for you? After this book comes out, any other XTC-related projects going on? I'm sure you'll be at the convention in 2020. I'm also hoping to make it there. 
Good, good, good. Yeah, there is a, another. F- the, the, there was a, an XDC fan convention. Uh, uh, I'm losing track of time. A year ago, um, and and in fact, just just 2017 when when my book came out, so I was able to to launch it there. And so now another group of fans, and a great again, it's a great thing about XTC fans is that they're they're such enthusiasts that through through love and and passion they they will put together a group of them will get together and, and organize something like a convention and 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 that happened then and it's going to happen again in in uh 2020 is it september 2020 am i remembering yes yes september 2020 in swindon i don't know if there's a specific location yet but yeah more details are on facebook there's an xtc 2020 convention facebook group and again you can order mark's book directly from his website xtc limelight get those pre-orders in now you can also order his first book the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls. Mark, thanks again for being here. We're gonna end we're gonna end the program. I wanna give a shout out to Sarah Palmer of Facine. Very talented musician. Facine has new music coming out. And she set this up, so I wanted to thank her for doing that. And to end the show, I did want to play their cover of That Way. Very, very well done cover. It's how I discovered uh, them for the first time. So, yeah. Very good choice. And, and uh, yes, I'll back, I'll back all praise to Sarah. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks, Mark, again. We'll see you next time. This is Facine's cover of That Wave.